Ten past five, we've been talking about the virus situation in Victoria. 384 cases today uh, versus 532 yesterday. But there have been another six deaths after six deaths yesterday. Of the latest fatalities, two people in their 90s, three in their 80s and one uh, in their 70s. Four of the six deaths today have been linked to private sector aged care, as were five of the six deaths yesterday. There are now more than 80 aged care coronavirus outbreaks and 764 active cases. Premier Daniel Andrews says he doesn't have confidence in the private aged care sector. And as a result, he's announced some aged care residents will be moved into the public hospital system because it's no longer safe to keep them in aged care facilities. To allow that to happen, the Premier has also announced only the highest levels of elective surgery will be allowed to proceed. So what will this all mean for the hospital system? Dr Sarah Whitelaw is an emergency department physician at the Royal Melbourne Hospital and she's on the line this afternoon. Dr Whitelaw, welcome to Drive. Look, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate your thank, thank you for your time because I know you're very, very busy and resources are stretched. How's your hospital coping in the face of this pandemic? Uh, I think there are two answers to that um, that are sound a little bit contradictory but are both true. Uh, our hospital... Um, is one by one flicking the lights on and activating our pandemic plans that we have prepared for uh, over the last five months, which the community in Australia has given us uh, to prepare. Uh, And those uh, plans are working well and um, it is slightly satisfying to, uh, you know, see them working as well as they are. Um, Our hospital has... uh, become very aware and concerned about healthcare worker infection uh, and they have subsequently put in place uh, an enormous number of system changes uh, and given us very good quality PPE and uh, put in place guidelines to keep us and our patients safe. Um, So from that perspective, our hospital, um, my hospital is doing extraordinarily well. On the flip side, you've got staff who are pretty exhausted because they've now been dealing with this pandemic Um, and particularly in the emergency department, we really haven't had a break for the last five months and things are getting more confronting day by day Uh, and we're expecting things to unfortunately get worse over the next two weeks. You've got an enormous sense of uh, camaraderie and team spirit and the resilience and the adaptability of the people that I have worked alongside every day for the last 10 years. Um, I'm so extraordinarily privileged uh, to see them maintain their dedication to providing just a level of excellence of care to every patient uh, every day in the face of this pandemic. So a lot of mixed emotions up and down. Our hospital is coping well. Um, In terms of, uh, you know, we're escalating our capacity, we're activating our plans, but we're all really conscious that the minute we do that, we're not providing our normal systems of care to people who are perhaps a little less urgent. Um, But we're also aware that that Uh, if we don't get back to being able to provide that uh, normal 
systems of care and we don't limit the time of our crisis response to as short a period as possible, that's going to have lots of mm. unintended consequences for those people that are waiting for not so urgent care. So crisis response going well, but my goodness, we need these numbers to come down. Yeah. I mentioned the announcement about moving some people from aged care facilities into hospitals. How are you preparing for that and have you received any of those patients yet? Uh, yes, um, we have, and a number of uh, hospitals around Victoria have received patients, and there is um, a good level of cooperation between the private hospitals uh, and the acute public hospitals uh, in terms of managing uh, the aged care crisis. Uh, it is really difficult uh, to... Um, I guess, to try and find the best place to absolutely look after these aged care residents. Uh, And we want to provide them with the best care, but we're aware that moving well people uh, into an acute hospital bed is probably not a good thing for them. So uh, thank goodness um, that our state government has been able uh, to show the maturity to accept the federal assistance and set up a federal state coordinated aged care task force. And we're all looking incredibly closely at what plans they come up with because we know that uh, the current option of transferring all of these aged care residents from aged care residents that are struggling Mm. uh, is into acute hospital beds is not sustainable. We do not have enough acute healthcare beds in the state to manage that, and it is not the best thing for the patient. So, so we very quickly need to come up with a, a different model of care. And so what could that model be? If, you, if your resources are stretched, your personnel are stretched, and you haven't got beds, it's pretty dire, isn't it? Uh, it's a difficult it's a difficult challenge, um, I, would, I would allow that. Uh, so what we need is uh, a, a, a coordinated model of care that involves um, maximising all of our workforce. We need to involve the GPs uh, in this. There is absolutely no question of that. Uh, the GPs know their aged care resident patients well. Uh, they know how to communicate with families. Uh, they often have themselves or their practice staff that speak um, languages that uh, the aged care community, um, you know, particularly in, in specific residents that they mainly speak. Uh, we need to be using the GPs and removing all of the barriers that have so far prevented um, GPs from providing the aged care response that they usually do. They need to be coordinated into this response. Wherever possible, we need to have aged care residents looked after safely in uh, either their own residence or a very familiar setting because we know that moving aged care residents to unfamiliar settings uh, if they don't actually need acute medical care is really difficult for them and their families. So wherever possible, uh, if they're well and they can be managed safely in an aged care residence, that's what we need to do. And the issue there is going to be providing a, a workforce that's able to um, staff and care for those people appropriately. And of course, it is really difficult because it's such a specialised job. The job that aged care um, care workers do is really hard, but it's really specialised and it's difficult to take people who have had no experience in that or are fantastic um, staff but have worked in other areas of the healthcare sector uh, and put them into an aged care home. That's that's going to be really tough. So we need to look at all options for providing um, 
specialised aged care staff mm. in aged care facilities. If you have people that uh, uh, perhaps need to be moved out for safety reasons but don't need the medical and nursing care of an acute hospital ward, um, then what we uh, assume the aged care task force will be looking at is perhaps identifying subacute facilities, rehab facilities, um, places that are better set up to manage people that need a lot of care um, but not necessarily medical intervention. And then um, if those people need acute medical care, of course, um, you know, we need to make the option of acute uh, health service beds available, mm. um, knowing that we have a limited amount of those, quite frankly. Uh, and there are uh, the health services are doing extraordinarily well in terms of acti activating their pandemic plans, but there is a limit to what we can do. Um, and we're realising now that perhaps what we thought uh, five months ago was going to be our most urgent need in terms of intensive care capacity and beds um, uh, has now morphed a little bit into really have to, sure. having to deal with our workforce shortages and uh, other issues like managing aged care residents and people in the community um, where we can. I'll, I'll stop. Uh, I've realised I've just downloaded that you. No, you haven't downloaded uh, it at all. I think emotive issues. No, they are. They're very emotive issues, and you are being, you are stretched. And so we say thank you. I'm sure of the same with the people of Melbourne and Victoria. For you're on the front line in the emergency department, and in particular with those aged care patients coming into your hospital. Now we do appreciate your time this afternoon. No problem whatsoever. Thank you so much to That's... the community for giving us this much time to prepare uh, and, and we are in such a better, much better place to oh. do that. But, but every, every day you can give us, um, sure. it counts. Well, we can't thank you enough. That's Dr Sarah Whitelaw, an emergency department physician at the Royal Melbourne Hospital. Resources are stretched at that hospital. Aged care patients being moved in from those private health facilities into the Royal Melbourne Hospital. And uh, as I said, challenging times. It's 20 past five. Traffic.